Ready? Okay. Give me a beach. Beach. Give me great food. Tacos. Give me adventure. Hiking. Give me a date night. Sunset cruise. Give me some smiles. Cheese. Give me more beaches. Beaches. What's that spell? San Diego. If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. This is Alec Baldwin, and you're listening to Here's the Thing. Few actors are as deeply associated with a character as Davis Gaines is with The Phantom of the Opera. When the Kennedy Center honored Hal Prince, Phantom's original director, they turned to Gaines to perform the musical's signature song, Music of the Night. Let your mind start a journey through a strange for thoughts of the life you knew before. Let your soul take you where you long to be. Only then can you That spine-tingling vibrato shook the risers more than 2,000 times in Los Angeles, San Francisco, and eventually Broadway, where Phantom remains the longest-running show in history. But Davis Gaines isn't just that legendary voice. He's an actor, first and foremost, with 14 Broadway and off-Broadway credits to his name. That's something he hoped for, but had trouble picturing growing up. He was a theater obsessive in a place that didn't have much of an outlet for kids like him. I wanted to be an actor since my earliest recollection growing up in Orlando. Um, Pre-Disney Orlando. Yeah, pre-Disney. Describe pre-Disney Orlando. Um, Lots of orange groves and um, no traffic. Sleepy little town. Sleepy town. Um, I grew up there knowing I wanted to be an actor, but not knowing how. But I, I found a children's theater group. I joined early on, and then I had an amazing junior high school drama teacher, Anne Durflinger, and she just took me under her wing, and I just couldn't stop after that. And 
And I, I was cast in musicals then because I had a loud voice. But I did you model your singing after someone? No, well, interesting. I was a really introverted, quiet, painfully shy kid, and that's why I think I tapped into that phantom role so much that I understood his pain and his loneliness and his. I get it. All that, um, and so I had um, grew up in my room mostly by myself with my record player, listening to cast recordings, listening to John Raitt and all those people, and. Um, it somehow sunk in. I guess I, I just sung naturally. So when I went to Florida State, majored in theater, and, and not musical theater, but theater, and then um, came to New York and just started um, going to auditions. So with Dan Durflinger and a young Davis Gaines when he's in pre-Disney Florida, where does the, <laughs> well, where does the middle school child, where does he audition? Like, what, what was the theater reality back then? No, there was or none. nearby? There was, no, there, was, there was none. It was only where in my school. Oh, it's cool. I mean, I mean I, to see theater, I, with the shows that came through town, they were touring shows back then, Broadway touring shows that came through. And um, at, you know, early age, mom and dad knew that I, Loved, I wanted to be an actor, and I, nothing else would do. So they, I don't know if they had been to New York at the time, but when I was 10, 8, 9, 10, they would take me and my sisters to come to New York. To How see many kids shows. in your family? Uh, my twin sisters, two, three of us. So um, they knew I loved it so much. So they took us here when I was 10, and I saw my first Broadway show, Oliver. Um, and, Who was in it? Oh, my God. It was, I think, Georgia Brown. Yeah, just so saying who will buy in the car on my way on your way home. You <laughs> no, say them all, but I've since done the show, and I, uh, I've done it several times. I did when I was here early on. Um, I was in the ensemble of a dinner theater show in Long Island, and the woman playing Nancy was Shaney Wallace, of course, the who original. was in the movie, of course. And so I got to like as a like a kid loving as Oliver. long as he needs oh, me. My goodness, so I got to watch her do that every oh. night. But uh, yeah, that's uh, my life has been like that. Like my first. Broadway show was Camelot with Richard Burton. Like, I was 34th Spirit Carrier from the left, but I got to know him and hang out with him and be his friend and watch him work every night. Did and, he teach you anything? Oh, my God. Yeah. What did he teach you? Like, um, storytelling. He, he he was a great storyteller, and he thought I was as well. But uh, he taught me the, the simplicity, the, sim- the less is more. Right. Especially Economize. Economize on stage. And... Uh, it was just a wonderful man. Because for me, when I would work with people that were older in television or film or in the theater, uh, uh, what people taught me in the theater uh, was always a little bit more precise and useful. You know what I mean? Like I have people come up to me, you know, uh, I did a, the first Broadway play I ever did was Loot, mm. where we moved the Manhattan Theater uh, a company production with Kevin Bacon. They moved to the Joe Wharton play. David Merrick moved it to Broadway. And Kevin couldn't come, so I replaced him with Joe Mahar and wow. Zoe Wanamaker and Charlie Keating and Ugh. Jelka Wavonik and Nick Ullett and all these people that I remember like it was yesterday. And, and, and Charlie Keating would say to me, oh, you come down stage, mate, with that screwdriver in the hand. And he says, and hold it up when you say that line. I'm going to batten down the ashes now and hold up the screwdriver. I bet you get a laugh tonight. Give it a try. Bingo. Come downstairs, hold it up. I get a laugh. And I would get these tips from people who they taught me how to do the business. You know what I mean? And uh, was and Burton was one of those people for you? Yeah. He, yeah. He gave me just simple simplicity. I mean, he was Richard Burton. So I just would, could, I just like a sponge. I just took it all in and uh, he was a friend and we hung out. When did you become the star and how? When do you, when I, don't do you think, be I the hate lead? that word, but um, so do I. But when did you become the lead actor in the, play, uh, the piece, or well, among the lead actors? Well, I guess my first break uh, in that way was uh, 
Cornelius Hackle with Carol Channing. I think maybe that was a big step for me in my career to, to step out of the ensemble. And uh, Richard Muins, he played Lancelot in that production, and Christine Ebersold's Guinevere. And I remember sitting on the bus with him, and I I wanted to be him. I wanted to be Lancelot. I wanted to be play roles in shows. And I said, how do I do that? And he said, just, well, stop taking um, j jobs. It's going to be easy for you to get a job in the chorus, and you'll get pegged that way. And so just, you might not work for a while, but, you know, just hang in there. Wait. And, wait. And sure enough, I got a call to audition for Jerry Herman and Carol Channing in Jerry's penthouse on the on the east side and walked in saying, it only takes a moment, and got the job. And then that's what, then Carol and Never I re back. remained friends ever since till she died this year. And um, sang, I just sang at her memorial service in Palm Springs. And, and so that opened the doors. That started me on a different path of playing roles. And then I had done a couple of things at Paper Mill Playhouse. Um, so Angelo Del Rossi was the producer there, over there at the time. And he called and said, we're going to do a production of Damn Yankees. And we, I want you to come in and audition. Um, I said, oh, great. It's fantastic. Um, I'll look at the music. And, um, and oh, by the way, um, George Abbott is directing it. And I went, the Jordan, Jordan, Mr. Abbott, I'm he goes, yeah, he, Baba. I said, oh my God! So I was just like, I learned all the Joe Hardy music, and I walked into the Minskoff rehearsal studios, and it was just Mr. Abbott. He was ninety nine at the time, and Angelo Del Rossi, and I walked up and shook his hand, and I said, Mr. Abbott, what, what an honor it is to meet you and be able to audition in front of you, and what would you like me to sing? And he goes, well, you you look like a baseball player. And I said, thanks. Thank thanks you. Very much. Thanks so much. <laughs> Appreciate that. Um, he goes, uh, um, can you swing a bat? And I said, yeah, of course. The, you bet I you can. Bet I, right? <laughs> I can do that. He goes, well, the guy we got for the movie, I forget his name. And I said, Tab Hunter. <laughs> and he goes, yeah. Well, he couldn't swing a bat. I said, oh, but I can. I can do it. What would you like me to sing? And then he, long pause, and he looked at Angelo and he says, well, if Angelo says you can sing, that's good enough for me. I'll see you first day of rehearsals. So I got to play Joe Hardy, directed by George Abbott. Orson Bean was the devil. Um, it was supposed to come to Broadway, but that's the story of my life. But then um, from that chance meeting, he was 99, and uh, that next year he turned 100. So there's huge celebrations for him on Broadway, and who who put them together and directed them was Hal Prince. So from Mr. Abbott, that's he how I met Hal. He Hal Prince. Yes. George Abbott. We're going to talk about who George Abbott is for the people in the audience who okay. don't remember. My goodness. Tell us who George Abbott is. I mean, he's like, before Hal Prince, there was George Abbott. Right. And uh, he was like, he was an actor to begin with and a playwright and producer, director. Uh, he wrote so many things and directed so many things. Pajama Game, Damn Yankees. He wrote them and directed them and the movies. And when Hal got out of the service, he came to Mr. Abbott and they shared an office up until Mr. Abbott died at 107. And um, uh, uh, he was the godfather. He really was. He was the beginning. There's a joke that uh, he always said that uh, somebody asked him what was the biggest change that he's seen in his lifetime on Broadway. And uh, long pause again. Electricity. <laughs> so that was oh, Mr. Abbott with a great sense of humor. And so by chance, then I met Hal. And then Hal took me under his wing. And and when 
Hal called and said, um, would you come audition for The Phantom? And I said, sure. So I I had... Where to, were they at in the run of The Phantom by that point? Um, I, this was like maybe three years into the Broadway run, probably. But uh, I, I remember auditioning first on the stage of the Majestic again. And then, then it was down to two people. Um, apparently, and they flew me to Toronto because he was putting the Toronto, the Canadian company together. And they flew me there and put me up. The driver dropped me off. And he said, oh, I just dropped someone else off here earlier. I went, oh, there's somebody else auditioning as well. So they kept us totally separate. And then I guess he went first and I went second. And then Hal comes on stage and said, do you want to go to LA and be the Phantom? And I went, sure. When you when you look at these roles where you where people, I think... I'd love to get your take on this. Mistakenly, think you just come mm. out and you just blow those notes and just sing. Where's the acting involved? And in, in the rehearsals, what was the discussion about acting the Phantom? That's a big pet peeve of mine. Like people, like after after six doing the Phantom for six years, I would tell people what I did or whatever, and they go, "Oh, so do you also act?" And I went, "That's what I've been. <laughs> that's what I do. I'm gonna chop you up in the, in the <laughs> that's in the what canal. I do. But I, I, to me, I can't separate the two. When you were directed by people, how much was the do when, when you if you were to your well, recollection? For instance, how well George Abbott, um, I, you know, he wrote the script, so he would was very old school in the way he would give us line readings. You know, this say it just do like this, this. Yeah. and I go really, but then I did it, and then sure enough, after we opened, like mm, he was, he was right. He was on to something. <laughs> he was right, but then Hal. Um, would say to me, you know, oh, I've never seen it that way before, or done that before, or I've never seen that before, but I like it, keep it in. So he didn't want me to be a, 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 like Michael Crawford or whoever else had played at that point. He was just open to my ideas and my interpretation, which was a credit to him and how he cast. Um, so, so you didn't feel you had some some pressure as a put-in? They didn't say to you, Michael did this. No, they, they didn't. were open they to didn't, your but, interpretation. Yeah. How do you think you were different from him? I only saw him do it once, but uh, I thought I was really pretty bad when I the first first year. <laughs> I went into it pretty young, and I, uh, you know, I played him too. You pushed like a madman, and like right. he's all over the place. And then after six years and two thousand performances, I would do just the slightest. <laughs> you did a tenth of what you the did. The slightest bit of the head or the hand, and it just re, it just makes it all it the difference. There. It's there. It's, it's like part of me. Two thousand performances. Yeah, I did that. When you do a show 2,000 times, what's the key for the long-distance runner like you in that? Is it well, husbanding your voice and you take care of your voice and you're very cautious? Well, that, yeah, I was a monk, and I, I, I listened to your podcast up with Julie Andrews, and when she said, I think she was talking about, I don't know about herself, but it was, I, I had no life for six years, basically. I, I That was my life, and... Um, I, I couldn't drink. I couldn't go out. I just went home and slept and drank water and came back. And uh, because I felt a huge responsibility to the people that were buying tickets to be it on the, my to best game, on my best game. And yeah, and I, I, that was my life. Um, she also said, Julie Andrews, on your thing that she, you ask her about doing the same role over and over again. Right. And I just figured out things that that no acting class could teach me or it was just i would have hit a plateau for like two years in it's like that was my personal mm -hmm. best and mm -hmm. then a year later no that was my personal best so i kept challenging myself and getting trying to get better and trying to tell the story more clearly and 
more uh, economically. And you did in L.A. for how long? I did two and a half years at the Amundsen, and then uh, I thought I, I bought a house in Hollywood Hills, and I just thought, I'm going to start my TV and film career, and you know, and and that didn't. And Hal called and said, "Would you?" <laughs> And would you, uh, you poor thing? Would you open the show for us in San Francisco? I said, "Oh, sure." Like so, I did it four months up there. I was on my way back to LA, literally, and uh, starting my you know, film TV, TV movie career. career. Then he Cal called again. He goes, "You know what? I would, uh, it's not right. I think you should come back to New York and show everybody what you've been doing for three years." And so I said, "Okay." So two and a half years at the Majestic. And so when you left LA. And I'm sure it was a very comfortable life for you. And you went back to New York. What was that like? Ah, uh, well, tough? it was a no. It's fantastic. It was a dream come true. Like I was playing the freaking Phantom of the Opera <laughs> on, <laughs> on Broadway. It's like it's not you know. It's a good perspective. Yeah, I was like, how lucky it was can an opportunity. One, how lucky can one one person get? When you when Phantom is going to end in New York, whose decision is that? What happens? Uh, for me, it was once again. Yeah, I was home, and Hal called. How's your travel agent, for Christ's sake? He goes, Davis, Andrew and I um, are doing a new show and uh, together. It's the first one since we did Phantom, and we want you to be in it. And I went, well, can I, once again, could I sing something for you? He goes, is there anything you can't sing? And I said, well, probably, yeah. No, just, just, just stay put in Phantom. We'll pull you out when the time comes. And that's how it happened. Um, it was called Whistle Down the Wind. Mm-hmm. Um uh, Hal called and said, "Time to come." So he, I left the show. So it, my, it was going to be a new show. Hal Prince, Andrew Lloyd Webber playing the lead. My to originate a role on Broadway. It was like it was everything was great, and we we um, we got to Washington D.C. and opened, and the reviews were the magic ended. didn't happen. Nope. And but and we got okay reviews, but Hal and Andrew didn't, and. Like the next day, Hal went to Spain and Andrew back to England and left us there. And yeah, they weren't they weren't we, used to. I that. mean, our marquee was up at the St. James. We were coming in, and then um, the last night they came on stage and told us that it was. We're not going and they, the stage hands goes, "Where do you want your trunk to go?" I said, "I guess back to L.A." So that I, that was my one chance to come back. So you, they pull you from thin, and, and then I didn't have Washington. a job. <laughs> it was Washington, Washington D.C. Yeah, and then you went to L.A. Yeah, then you know I went back. I didn't have a job anymore, but. uh but then I think I did Phantom one more time in Los Angeles for how at long? the Pantages, just like six, six months. months or so. Yeah. Um, but yeah, whatever Hal said, you do. I'm at some show. I want to say it's like a benefit for the Roundabout or something. Back in the '90s, maybe late '90s, I think. And uh, uh, Macintosh is there at a table, and he says, "Mr. Baldwin," and he's very gleaming and very shiny, and he says, "Mr. Baldwin." I'd like very much for you to come and uh, meet with my staff and I and we'll talk to you about doing uh, a play, a musical. And I said, well, I said, I don't sing. It's nonsense, Mr. Baldwin. He said, anyone can sing. And he said, this is a part that was made for you. You were born to play this part. And he said, it's, we're going to do uh, The Witches of Eastwick. Ooh. And I want you to assay the role played by Jack Nicholson in the film, the lead male role. And I said, well, God, that sounds phenomenal. And you, I'm in such a boundless admirer of you. <laughs> but I said, oh, you, you don't want me to do this. You don't want me to do this. I said, Mr. Baldwin, nonsense. I want you to meet with, is you're going to meet with my New York-based music director, John Clark. 
and he will take you through some tunes and he will take you. So we go to his apartment on the Upper West Side, this old, old building, and we go in and he's got the piano and we're singing. Just say that word and I'll beat your bird down to Acapulco Bay. I'm doing all my Sinatra right. ripoffs. I'm doing, I'm doing impersonations and I can't sing. Finally, we get to like the third song, you know, John Larrabee or whatever his name was, and he stops the piano in the middle of the song. We're literally, we're literally in the middle of the song. He stops. He goes, Mr. Baldwin, I believe you're right. Oh, my God. He says, you really, really can't sing. <laughs> you are listening to my conversation with the actor Davis Gaines. If you're a Broadway fan, here's a quiz. Gaines is to The Phantom as Audra McDonald is to... Well, maybe it's a trick question. You could say Porgy or Billie Holiday, but to me... The answer is Carrie Pipridge, the spunky mill worker with the best songs in Carousel. It was her breakthrough role, performed in the shadow of her alma mater, Juilliard, where she had once felt so hopeless that she tried to take her own life. To then open in Carousel at Lincoln Center, where you can look up and I can see the school that I had a hard time in. And and I remember standing in those windows seeing Patti LaPone performing there and going, why am I not doing that? And then... How'd you feel? Um, like the luckiest survivor in the world. You can find the rest of that conversation with Audra McDonald if you text Audra, that's A-U-D-R-A, to the number 70101. Mom met a lot of your demands over the years. This Mother's Day, get her the Bartesian cocktail maker that makes premium cocktails on demand. In just 30 seconds, have your choice of over 60 premium or seasonal cocktails, all at the touch of a button. Get $50 off on the Bartesian Cocktail Maker now when you buy one pack of cocktail capsules. So, for all the times you made a mess, get Mom the countertop cocktail system that makes premium cocktails without making any mess at all. For all the times you begged for soda, get her premium cocktail capsules made with real fruit juice and craft bitters. For all the times you demanded tacos for dinner, get her the Bartesian that mixes margaritas in just 30 seconds. Make Mom's Mother's Day and all the 364 days that aren't Mother's Day with a Bartesian cocktail maker at $50 off. Visit B-A-R-T-E-S-I-A-N.com backslash mother now to get $50 off the Bartesian premium cocktail maker. Bartesian, premium cocktails on demand. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. Hey, guys, you know what this playground could use? A wine country, huh? A redwood forest would be cool. Ski slopes! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. I'm Alec Baldwin, and you're listening to Here's the Thing. Davis Gaines is remarkably unassuming for a Broadway-leading man, 
but he nonetheless has got friends in high places. The entire Bush family, for one, starting with the late President George H.W. Bush. I sang uh, in Orlando for a cancer center gala benefit, and H.W. was the speaker. I had met him during the whistle down the wind time in Washington, had a picture, but he doesn't remember, but I did. And so then after the show, he came up and said, Barbara, we really like you. And I went, thanks. And like, yeah, her birthday's coming up and I'm going to get my boys and we're going to do something, but what's your email? So I gave him my email address. Two weeks later, he wrote and said, would I come and sing for Barbara Bush's 75th surprise birthday party in Kennebunkport? I said, yes, yes. Yeah, I, can't, I cannot pass this up. Of course. So... It was an amazing experience. Barbara Bush ran that family, and she was the boss, and she had a mouth like a sailor. She was an amazing lady. I loved her. But uh, they just took me in, and H.W. said, uh, what are you doing tomorrow? It's Sunday. Um, I said, I'm going back to New York. He goes, well, come by the house for coffee and donuts. I said, okay. So I walk in. There's no servants, no secret service, really. You park and went in the house, and there was Henry Kissinger going, good job last night, Davis. Good job. I said, thank you, General. Thank you so much. <laughs> And then H.W. goes, there's coffee in the kitchen. Go help yourself. And blah, blah. So I was in the dining room um, hanging out, and uh, George W. walked in. W. W. walked in. And I said, good morning, Governor. How you doing? How you doing? He's like, feeling fine, feeling fine. I ran for a couple hours after church, feeling good. I said, good for you. And he goes, can I ask you a question? I said, yeah. He says, um, can you learn how to sing, or is it something you're born with? And I said, good question. I think one can learn to sing, uh, but you probably have to have some musicality in your head, maybe. Long pause again, and he goes, well, I don't know shit about singing, but you probably got the best voice in America. I said, well, thank you so much. And then I looked around, all the out-of-town guests were gone, but me and the Bushes. And I said, oh, my God, I better go. just me and him now. I better get going. And he goes, no, 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 stay for lunch. And I said, oh. I, I really overstayed my welcome. Look, there's Mama is putting out lunch stuff, and I got to go. He goes, no, no, no. If you're going to pick a day to eat here, this is the day because we're having tacos. And I went, oh, wow. I, I, love, me some, I love me some tacos. Yeah. I said, you better go ask your mom if I can stay. He goes, you're right. Wait right here. So he went in the kitchen to ask Barbara Bush if I could stay for lunch. Comes out and goes, you're in. So I was his little buddy all day long and pinching myself under the Why table. Me? Why me? Why, Why me? me? Pinching myself. Like, I'm oh, on ice. Nice. Thanks. Oh, my gosh. I don't, yeah. Do you so know when you go out there every night the effect you have on people? No, but, no. No, but, you know. <laughs> don't. No, but sometimes, I mean, that's the goal is to move people or, you know, or um, like in Phantom, like if, if I didn't feel like I had a, if I wasn't my best that night, uh, there, there was a huge, long, embarrassing bow that we had to do, like, stage left stage right in the middle like i said short bow short bow because i didn't think i deserve i didn't deserve that all that so yeah i go out there trying to do my best and to uh, it's nice when people laugh or cry um yeah it's nice to do that to feel that i love that the show you go back six months at the amos and then what happens then you know i just uh settled back in la and uh, so I'm, a lot I, of concerts. Yeah, I do a lot of concert work. Do a lot of concerts. Do you uh, enjoy that? Yeah, very much so. I mean, obviously, it pays so. the bills and people want to come see. You, very but much so. Because you, because you get to do anything. Well, correct. I, I get to do what I want to do. But what's great about that is, like, I get to sing. Uh, I can sing. It only takes a moment as that character. As Cornelius, I can do Fagin. I can sing. Um, reviewing the situation as Fagin. I can. I can go. Exactly impossible. In the show as well. Impossible dream. And every every song has a. I become a character, mm -hmm. which. 
that's what I love to do. And so I, I morph into that. And then I can just sing, you know, normal standards. But well, some standards that you, what are some of your well, favorite I, standards? I, I did a, an, an album, um, Sammy Kahn tunes, because I sang at his memorial service. <laughs> I wonder if that's the go-to. Yeah, I wonder if these guys the- are dying. And they're saying, uh, you know, I love you, Irene. And one more thing. Yes, Sammy, you got to get Davis Gaines to sing at my memorial. You know who Michael Childers is, the photographer? He called me the other day to come sing at a funeral of someone I didn't know. But uh, I said, sure. And then I was sitting next to him. He goes, you know you're singing at my funeral. I went, no, I didn't didn't know that, Michael. (laughs) He said, you know, you sang at John Schlesinger's funeral. I went... You're too kind. How did the film and TV thing go no. over the arc of many years? Well, I did a lot during the fan- when I was Phantom. They wanted me as a guest star on Veronica's Closet with Kirstie Alley, and, and um, I did Murder She Wrote with Angela Lansbury, and those guest things, Charmed, and all those. But since then, I have no representation in Los Angeles, so I don't go out on anything. Um, you don't want to? Yeah, I do, you but do. I don't have an agent. So that stuff has kind of fallen off. I don't. I don't even really have anybody to book me in concerts and clubs or music anymore. So I, people just come to me and say, well, I sing. Um, I definitely want to, but I'm only, I'm really good when I'm working. When I'm not working, I'm not so good. And, you know, as a person and as a, I get, I'm what good. What do you mean? You know, I just get antsy. I get antsy, depressed. And when I'm on you stage, do. when I'm on stage, I'm like, what's the longest you went where you didn't work? Oh gosh. Months? Six months, a year. Six months. A year. Maybe. So if, let, let's say we'll split the difference as nine months. Maybe we'll say a year. And without getting into too much detail, I don't want to pry, but when you say you get answered, what, what, what's, what does that well, feel I, like? I, I don't feel like I'm worth it. What, well, do, you do? what do you I'm do? I'm going to tell you this interesting story. I, I, don't, I, just, I probably wanted to quit many times the business. Like I, I don't know what else to, but I don't know what else to do. But I would rather, I mean, there's part of me wants to just have a normal job like a normal person. But... On the Phantom, like it happened on and the Majestic, um, I was probably you know five years, five and a half years into the run, and for whatever reason, it just hit me. Um, I was at the organ. I had I, we just came in, and I was Phantom was going at the organ in the beginning of the show, and I just burst out into tears, like me, not the Phantom. Yeah, I had to use it, and I just realized that that moment, like I only felt worth anything or loved between eight o'clock and ten thirty every day it's like i went there's and i loved what i did and i just loved it but i realized is there's got to be more to life than phantom or between our job cut as we say in the tv business yeah. and film business yeah so i, I you know i just like knew that, that i just had this thing like that i only felt worth anything in those hours that I was there. Did you have to work on that? Uh, yeah, I went to therapy that? the next day. Probably the next day I, I found a great therapist here. But I realized, yeah, and it's always a balance now just to, you know, be happy um, doing, not working, but uh, but when I, that, I appreciate when I get on stage even more now because I've just, it's like home. It's like, and don't let it it's define like church, you. It's like church to me. Exactly. Don't let it define you in the way that it's going to cripple you. Yeah, you know when I did when I did uh, uh, I did this uh, Joe Wharton play. I did another Joe Wharton play after we did Loot in '86. I did Entertaining Mr. Sloan in 2004, and uh, I'll never forget when I had the scenes with the young guy. Mm-hmm. I'm Ed, the middle-aged uh, f- uh, brother. We, you know, my sister lives in a house with my father, and then this male hustler shows up, and I'm uh, this bisexual man who's in love with, and Chris Carmack, and and I remember the moment when I was alone with Chris on stage for some of the funniest parts of the play. I remember saying to myself, "Oh my God, I never want this to end because I don't have as much fun anywhere else." Right. 
And this is before I met my wife and had my kids. This is 2004. I met my wife in 2011. So seven years prior, in the, in the thick of my divorce and my life was hell and custody battles for my daughter and just everything outside the doors of the theater was shit. And I'd walk into that theater and I thought, I know exactly what I'm going to say for the next two and a half hours. I know exactly what you're going to say. I know exactly how they're going to react. And people was, will love you. And I was fun. Yeah. I never had more fun in my life. It's like that line from Applause, I'm only alive at night when I'm in a show. It's like, that's what I got to do. That's what I do. Now, would you do shows now? Yeah, you know, all the concerts? time. Where? I mean, I, I do most of my stuff in L.A., but I've got the thing about living there. Like the last 10 years, I got to play roles that I never w- would have played here. What's the last like, one you did? I just played uh, Nostradamus in Something Rotten and then uh, uh, Fagan and Oliver and Music Man and... Silence the musical. I've Hannibal Lecter. It's the, 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 it's the na- nastiest, but the greatest thing they did ever. Silence of the Lambs is a musical. Oh gosh, dude! And yeah. you played Lecter. Yeah, you you could probably and fava beans and everything. Oh, I can't even tell you the song. My first song. It's like I can't even speak it on. The, uh, my parents were so great about coming to everything I ever did, and that's the only show that the I, first song that you can't, I can't tell. Even, I can smell your blank. If I, I knew it. If, if I could smell her blank. Wow. <laughs> Yeah. It's, 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 it's I've seen huge. that one a few times. I can get, it's huge. Oh, God, when is that? Um, You've done the gamut, cool, haven't you? Some really fun. I just should play with Rita Rudner, a, a comedy, just the two of us kind of. And, and uh, So, yeah, I love doing all different kinds. Of, I don't have to sing, but I can, but I don't have to. But it's fun to do all those different things. Uh, uh, and what I'm wondering, are there songwriters and are there individual songs, can you name a couple, that you never tire of singing? Gosh, there's a song, Sammy Kahn, the, the words that he wrote, and he won four Oscars and 20 Oscar nominations. All that music that he wrote, his words are amazing to me. There's a, his, his, one of his favorite songs that, my favorite song that he wrote was from a Broadway show called Skyscraper. And it, it's called, I'll Only Miss Her When I Think of Her. And it's like just a simple poem. Just, I never tire of singing something like that. Songs that are, are sad, songs that hit the heart and um like listening to like i when john Raitt was old uh, in his 80s and i was doing phantom in la we did concerts together me and john Raitt. and it's my and i would we would sing if i loved you together as a duet or hey there from pajama game and i watched i would watch him sing soliloquy and then he watched me sing music of the night and it was like a a, a dream come true like why why me and and be able to like having Rosemary Clooney come backstage in LA after Phantom and said, I can listen to you sing all day. I said, no, Rosemary Clooney. And she gave me your home phone number. Call me. It's like, I just don't, I, it, it amazes me. And I'll bring this full circle back to Carol Channing's memorial the other day. I was in the wings in, in rehearsal, sound check with Tyne Daly. And we were talking about how lucky we are to, to be there. Keep and, working. And keep working, and, be, and, 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 and be there, and keep working. And, and part how of Carol's much, family. How much? And she goes, "Yeah, I felt." She thought I felt so great about uh, being in the golden end of television with Cagney and Lacey, and then I, then Gypsy on Broadway. And I said, "Yeah, I just feel the same way. Like I don't know why me, and why did I get to work with George Abbott and Hal Prince and Carol Channing and Richard Burton, and and um, I, I just don't sometimes can't." process it like i loved it it was a dream but i and i don't know why me um and then she just put her hand on my chest and goes why not you <laughs> and i went 
it was like a light bulb moment for me. Like, wow, why not me? And I've just told that to people since then. And it's like, if I only knew that 20 years ago, 30 years ago, why not me? Uh, it would have might have made it me, given me that thing. But now this week, just just I'm here talking to you, and and why not me? And I I'm so grateful, and um, I can't wait. I just you know what I want to say as we go out of this show. Okay. Sometimes it all wraps itself up perfectly. <laughs> Does it? Wait, well I'll tell you why. Because we're going to play some music as we go out here. Okay. And when I play this music, everyone will know what I know, which is when you say why me, this is why. The music we're going to play right now. Okay. This is why, because you are literally one of the greatest singers ever in Come show on. business. I you love are. you, man. You Thank are. you so much. Love you too, Davis Gaines. All that you say, that you feel about me, is how I feel about you. While you were seeking a one man you love, I sought one girl, one all my own. I'm Alec Baldwin, and you're listening to Here's the Thing. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. Hey guys, you know what this playground could use? A wine country, huh? A redwood forest would be cool. Ski slopes! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender.